Welcome to another edition here of Beyond Eight Figures, where we sit down with entrepreneurs who have either exited for more than $10 million or run businesses that gross more than $10 million annually and get to the bottom of how they started and scaled and in some cases exited from those businesses. And really excited to be joined today by Susie Carter. And let's just get it out of the way quick move beyond this question. Uh, and if you listen to the show, you know, you know that we do like to try to get to the bottom of how you qualify for the show. So why don't you share with us then, how do you qualify to join us on uh, Beyond Eight Figures? Have you exited from a business for more than 10 million? Did you start a business that grew to more than 10 million annually or uh, multiple businesses? Or are you currently running a business that grosses more than 10 annually? Right, well, I got, I'm right there in the chin of my chinny chin chin, right? Coming in at coming in hot at 10 million. That's where I'm coming in hot is 10 million. Yeah, <laughs> so that I was, built, uh, please. I've built several uh, $10 million companies. Well, two, not several. Let me say two, two $10 million companies, right? Help my clients get to that level as well. And my passion is in building businesses and building businesses to scale and sell, right? That's the passion. When yeah. I first started, I didn't know how to do it. I had to make it up. You know, we didn't have the technology that we have today or the resources we have today. You know, just had a passion and commitment and love making money, love leveraging, yeah. love doing doing all the things that I do. So let's talk let's talk then about those um those businesses. So what was what was the first business that you took to 10? So that was a training and development company in the beauty industry. We were the top 10% in the world top 1% in the nation. And we worked with high-end salons and spas, teaching them the business of business. And mm. so we built that from, I built that from scratch, you know, starting out as a single mom. I was a hairdresser and did a quarter of a million dollars a year as a hairdresser, which that does not happen. Most hairdressers make 30 grand a year right now, wow. about 60, but back in the day, it was about 30 grand a year. And was that just just right there, if you don't mind, was that because you were just charging so much more than the average hairdresser or were you doing other things from a revenue standpoint that other hairdressers weren't doing? Yeah. So other, other things hairdressers weren't doing. Most people just, you know, a client comes in, client gets sent, sits down, clients wants whatever they want. You fulfill that, right? That's an order taker. I would really look at finding the need, filling the need. What, what else did they need? So multiple services per every client. That was my strategy of seeing less clients, but doing more with each client. Right, really mm. leveraging that standpoint. So from a technician standpoint, that's you know where I started and wanted to give back to my industry and teach other people how to do it. Like, oh my gosh, it was like, people need to know how to do this because they weren't yeah. teaching that time business in schools. They only taught technical. So and, what would, just, just out of curiosity, so what would be like an example of yeah. something that you would do to fulfill those other needs? Yes. So my motto, Steve, was all clients were chemically dependent on me. <laughs> so I am my ideal client, right? So this color that you see is enhanced. <laughs> so there would be hair color, there would be highlights, there would be conditioning treatments, there would be waxing services, there would be extensions, right? There would be low lights. So multiple services with each and every client. And then of course the retail sales. Retail is 50, you have a 50% markup on retail where services, you have a 10% profit on services. So learning that early on really allowed me to have back of the head money with retail because now yeah. 50% margin versus just the 10% you know, profit. So how did you then make the leap from being the hairdresser to being the, the business woman who helped others? So like, what was, what was that transitionary period like how did you how did you make that transition yeah the first part was i just wanted to give back to my community so i started speaking in schools teaching you know students how to do this thing called build your business right 15 percent of anybody's financial success is your technical ability or your vocation whatever your vocation is right for a hairdresser it's being a hairdresser for a doctor it's being a doctor right for a graphic designer it's making things pretty the other 85% is the business, right? It's the sales, marketing, operations, finance. And most technicians, entrepreneurs, love, love, love what they do, their vocation, but they're not looking at the whole picture. 
So yeah. as a hairdresser, I wanted to show other people, like there's a systematic way of doing a consultation. There's a systematic way of rebooking someone. There's a systematic way of marketing and teaching people. Then people, Steve, so then they're like, oh my God, I love what you do. Do you have a book? I'm like, no, I don't have a book. I'm just supporting your com my community. So my clients really pushed me into this whole world of training and development. Mm -hmm. And I had to start looking at what made me successful. What was I doing? What did I say that had every customer say yes? Right. There was a systematic process. So I got clients mm -hmm. from here, you know, which is the confusion to making a decision and playing a game. Right. I think math is money and money is fun. And so I like to play a game of business. I play a game of my business every single day. Of What am I doing? What am I serving? How can I leverage that? How can I double it? How can I teach other people to play the game? So when yeah. I look at my clients, right, we can easily come in and I can find money everywhere in your business. I could come into your business now, Steve, look at your profit and loss. I promise you I could double your, double your sales. Whether you want to do the strategy or not, that's a whole nother, you know, situation, but really looking at that. So my okay, clients- let's, let's play with that right now. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, how can I double my sales? <laughs> right now. No, I mean, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. And um and I just want to give Richie an opportunity to come in and uh, and say hello as well. What's up, Richie Ote? How Hi, you Susie. Hi, Steve. How's What's everybody up, doing? Good, good. <laughs> Having you here, my brother. I like the new setup. I like uh, I like the new office for the. Where, where uh, yeah. It's slowly. I got different shows, so you know different I stuff. Like going. <laughs> I like um. So so Susie, actually, so it's interesting. Um. I mean, yes, we definitely want to dig in and find you know where those more dollars are in the business. Um, but something that's really apropos at the moment is so many, um, so many technicians, if you will, uh, are being hammered right now with everything that's, that's going on, right? I mean, and I'm sure you, yes. you not, not only are you sympathetic, I mean, you're completely empathetic because you were, you were in that position as a technician, um, you know, not terribly long ago in your career, right? But the, yeah, obviously a number of years ago, but, you know, close enough that yeah. you still remember what it was like. So... So to that end, I'm just really curious, what, what would you say to, to the technician right now who, who has seen everything dry up in terms of their ability to literally go and provide the service that they would normally be providing on a daily basis? Let's, let's start there and then we can go into more of the business strategy and those sort of things because this is really top of mind for so many right now. So top of mind, right? So in 2007, when we all had the market crash, and I say we all, so I, I want to sympathize and have people sympathize with me, right? 2007, I lost about 10 million in assets, right? That was my property. That was my stock market. That what took me 20 years to build. I felt like the carpet was pulled out from under me under, overnight, right? And just remember being devastated. Like I don't have another 20 years. I'm a little more seasoned, right, than some people. So at that time, I was like, I don't want to work that hard for 20 years, no. right, just bawling. And so I sympathize where we are right now, because I can really remember that day. Now, yeah. it didn't take me 20 years to rebuild. It only took me five years. And the reason it took me five years is because I understand now the business of business. When I was first starting, I didn't understand, right? I was figuring it out as, as I went along the way. And I remember, Steve, I was on the floor bawling and not crying like, why me? But crying like, I don't understand. I've been a good steward. I had, I followed the rules. I followed my coach's advice. I, I felt like I was being strategic. I, you know, just trying to understand what is the lesson? Because I need to get the lesson because I don't, I don't ever want to experience this again. Yeah. And I believe that there's some lessons that are wrapped in sandpaper. Some lessons that they don't feel good, but we learn tremendously. And from that lesson, I learned one, how to be more lean, right? I was a little heavily leveraged, right? I'll be honest, I, I was way too leveraged in real estate. So when the market flipped, I flipped and couldn't recover from that. So that was a huge lesson. So right now, if I look at where businesses are at, is let, cut the fat, not the meat. We all have fat. I had to look at both my personal budget and my business budget to go, where's the fat in my business? right? Where am I overspending or not managing it as tightly as I would if money is just free flowing coming in, right? So right now, looking at your business, we're all pivoting. I had to pivot in my business, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm a speaker, trainer, consultant, 12 of my events, which those are where we get money came into play. Well, all those canceled. So how do I pivot that, right? So every industry is survivable. One is let's get lean and mean. Let's figure out where your fat is. 
you're fat in your personal life because there's a lot of stuff that you're spending money on in your personal life that you don't need to or you can scale back on right like i said i'm my best client so you know getting your hair done your nails done your toes done your anything that you do in this genre right the cleaning lady are you need a cleaning lady every week do you need a cleaning lady at all like whatever i'm i'm queen yeah. right to say and it seems like you know, I was talking to my daughter and she's like, oh, it's only $85. Yeah, but $85 in a time when you don't have $85 is a lot of money, right? So Absolutely. let's just look at that. Like what, what's the ramification of that if you play that out long-term? So what I find working with entrepreneurs is they don't want to look at the numbers. They don't want to look at their P&L. They they're, they're like afraid of it. Well, let's not be afraid of it. Let's pull up our big girl peonies and pull up your, your drawers and go, what do I need to do right now for my business to sustain? right? Are we taking advantage of the stimulus um, things that are going on right now, right? Really being, taking this time, this is the perfect, perfect time, right? What we're being paid for is our intellectual property. So if you wanted to start a business, right? If you wanted to write that book, this is the time, right? Where else has the world shut down to give you time to get all those hopes and dreams out on a piece of paper? Write your course. What are you an expert in? What can you give that you always wanted to do what's that expertise that people always come and ask you for that you freely give that now we can start monetizing that let's burst something out of that what birthed out of the 2007 was i truly am a profit coach i understand the system of money i understand there's money all around us and wealth is for all of us not for some of us so if you look at that and go oh i'm really good at this and so although we i had financial devastation like pick it up well, you know, do what you need to do to create that. I slimmed back, just like we're having you do now, cut all the fat and only spent money on what I needed to. And I did that for four years. I just kept my head down and went, I'm only spending on necessities, right? That was my rent. That was my, my rent, my mortgage, my car payment, right? Groceries. I got really lean and mean so that I could rebuild quicker, faster. What happens is businesses aren't pivoting as fast. You can see large businesses pivoting. Right, and they're putting people on furlough, they're laying people off, they're trying to be responsible. To go, how do you as a small business owner, whether you're brand new or whether you're doing millions, it's irrelevant, we're small. To go, what do I need to do and how can I trim the fat right now so that I can be here next year, I can be here in six months. Right, that's the immediate that you do. Then yeah. I wanna look at what else is on the table. Where else is there, find the need, fill the need. I have a quick question on that to help people discern. So the obvious things like hair and nails and stuff like that, you can cut back on that stuff. But what about in a time like this where so much of it is mindset? Some people might need to keep their coaching and they might think that that's not a necessity, but it might for some people be a necessity. Do you have some sort of table or way of helping people discern what is a necessity and what isn't? Well, like I tell my clients, it's a beautiful question. Like I'm not fat, right? When I look at what I do with my clients, I'm the meat. I'm a profit center. Coaches can be the profit center. If they're helping you get your mindset right, if they're helping you get out of your stuff so that you stay in action, a lot of clients are just going to bed putting the covers over their head. I need you to stay in radical action. Don't sit back. Don't slow down, right? Stay in action. So I believe in, you know, Benjamin Franklin said, take the coins from your purse, invest them in your mind, and your mind will fill your purse overflowing. So if that coach is helping you stay in action, leverage, get a budget, leverage what asset we can create right now, helping you stay sane, keeping that mindset right so that you don't freak out with the rest of the nation, right? That you're staying, you're the calm in the storm, you're the lighthouse, Right, that's what we need to be as leaders right now in business is I have to be the leader for my team. I have to be the leader for my client. How do you be the leader? And I gotta have my ride or die behind me going, okay, I need like, I'm ready to, I'm ready to jump off the ledge too. So my coach will keep me off, you know, no, no, no. Don't freak out, stay focused. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we need you, stay focused. So that's a great distinction of making sure, you know, you're keeping the right things in place, right? If you're yeah. looking at, you know, the, there's fluff. If you're looking at those, I, I just turned off my Shutterstock, right? So I have a Shutterstock account. That's, that was 300 bucks. 300 bucks mm -hmm. is not a lot, but 300 bucks adds up to go, where can I put that $300 now? I don't need Shutterstock right now. That's a great asset to have, but I don't need it. Where are all those little things that add up 
Like if I look at all my memberships and all those things, that was about $2,000 a month that I'm spending on these memberships. Which ones can I stop? Which ones do I have to keep? I can't lose my Infusionsoft. I can't lose my ClickFunnels. Like the, that's meat. That's not fluff. That's keeping my business running in this time. So I yeah. want to be strategic about what you cut, right? Not just freak out and go, I'm shutting everybody off. No, let's, let's look strategically. What do we need to shut off? Mm-hmm. So, and, and thank you for, for some of the clarity and the ideas around that. I mean, obviously there's, there's both sides of the coin from the standpoint of, you know, if you, even if you cut off some of the things that you may not feel you need a hundred percent, it's like, what's the ripple effect of, of that? Right. And, and that's, I think that's the scariest thing that we're seeing for so many right now is we, 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 we haven't even touched the, the tip of the iceberg in terms of what the ripple effect on the slowdown is going to be and all that. And I think that's, what's got a lot of people nervous is not what's happening right now in these immediate cutbacks, but just in terms of what's going to happen here uh, in, in the next six months as those ripple effects are, are really felt. So um, obviously nobody has a crystal ball. We can't really play that game. I don't need to play that game. Um, but it's, it is certainly a cautionary tale, uh, around, you know, if you were cutting back on, on something that you would normally do, what happens if people cut back on what they normally do with you? Right. And, and how does all that play out? So just, just an interesting conversation. Uh, appreciate your perspective on that a hundred percent. Take well, us. A real conversation, right? I don't mean to interrupt you, Steve, but I went to some of my key vendors that I cannot lose to go, look, I need to cut my expenses by 50%, 25%, whatever your number is. How can we work together? I'm not quitting, but I need some reprieve right now while I'm talking clients off the ledge. Is there some reprieve? So most of my vendors have been amazing going, okay, we all know this is short term. Let's look at how we can survive. So I'm looking at the long-term relationship, not the short-term game, even with my clients, yeah. right? I understand the situation. They've been clients for a long time to go, look, let's just spread out the payments. Let's just cut that down. Let's just put it on the back end. Be creative. If you're in the, if you're the coach or if you're the business person, be creative with your clients. This is the time to take care of people right? Take care of your team, right? I'm telling my vendors, I'm taking care of my team. I want to take care of you, but I also want to be in integrity. I don't want to get in a place and go, I'm sorry, Steve, I can't pay. Yeah. Right. Let be transparent because then people will rise with you. Those are the vendors that are ride or die with you. If I'm taking care of my clients long-term, they're going to take care of me and vice versa. If yeah. you look at huge companies that grew right in recessions, right? Cause there's always opportunity. It's can you rise above the noise to see the opportunity? Like if you look at General Electric, they started in the recession in the 1800s. They did $95 billion last year, right? So that's juicy, right? General yep. Motors did, IBM did, Disney did in a recession, right? Disney comes. Disney is so frivolous when you think about it, right? It's not a need, but they launched in, in the height of a depression, they did 69 billion. That's with a B billion dollars yeah. last year. So I think it's being creative and being resourceful and going, what does the market need? Right? What mm -hmm. does the market need right now? What how can I serve right now? Yeah. And for sure. And and so to that end, let's let's go back then to the the original business, the you know, the business where you're working with the, you know, would would you call it a cosmetology? Business, what, what would you call it? Cosmetology consulting business? I just want to make sure I'm not putting the wrong terminology around it. Yeah, and it was a training and development company for the beauty industry. For the beauty, yeah, okay. Um, and so to that end, there's, uh, there's, there's always a, um, so it seems there's always a key hire that helps someone go from being a sole proprietor to having a, a business that is really scalable and sustainable. When when you had these ideas and you started working with people and, and, and business started to, to come in, you were probably still doing much of that on your own. How did you, how did you make that, that leap? Did you, did you raise outside capital? Did you hire someone in particular? Did you bring on a, a partner? What, what exactly did you do and who, who was that key hire that really helped you to, to scale? Yeah, so I have built, built and sold several businesses, right? So I've built nine businesses. 
two of them. Those were expensive hobbies. I didn't know what I was doing, right? And I always have to say that because I want people to know that it's a journey. You don't just make a multi-million dollar company, right? So the first two were dismal, right? Horrible. Learned a lot from that experience. Learned about partnerships and, you know, what not to do in partnerships and agreements and more of the legality of it, right? The other seven businesses were multi-million dollar companies, right? From the salon and spa to the training and development company. We had an online training and development company. It was the first membership site in the beauty industry, right? So a technology company in the beauty industry in 2000, Bananaramas, but you know, that was the hardest million dollars yeah. I ever made. Let me just tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. So the first person I always hired was the operations person. And I learned that back in the day when I owned when the salon and spa, the first person I hired was the manager because the manager was looking at the day-to-day while I was being the technician, right? So it was a great relationship. In the training and development company, the first person I hired was operations because operations is this is how you do it here. In my training and consulting company, the first person I hire is an online business manager, my operations. Operation is the foundation of the company. They're thinking long-term, like how do we create a system so this is sustainable, that it's not relying on Susie, it's not relying on the technician, it's not relying on the superstar, whatever that superstar is. Mm -hmm. From there, really it started, um, I'm a student of Michael Gerber's, love, love, love him, right? And that first little book, E-Myth, I created my salon and spa from that book. Mm. And I went and met with him years later and he's like, can I have that book? And I'm like, no, dude, you, you teach other people how to do this. I'm not giving you this book, which was all the systems and the SOPs for that industry, right? Because he was niching industries. I'm like, I am not a ding dong. But you know, it was a huge compliment just in, we created it just as he said, build it as if you're going to sell it, right? Even my business today, build it as if I'm going to sell it. What are the systems? Mm-hmm. What are the tools? What are the strategies? Especially when you're dealing with somebody that's a personality, consult the coach, an author, Right. If you don't have an entity, if you don't have something to sell, then you're going to be, you know, owning a big fat job your whole life. And to go, how do I get out of owning a big fat job? Right. We had a training and development company where I was the lead trainer for many, many years that that could have not been the business that sold. But that company sold to Thompson Learning Rickers Publishing. Right. So that business that I started at my kitchen table, wanting to make a difference, wanting to make a profound difference, sold for millions to the largest publishing company in the world. They did $400 billion a year, right? So you had to have your stuff in order in order for them to purchase it, right? That was a huge payday. So, so did, you, did you take on partners for that one or bring in any outside capital? I don't, I don't think you answered that one. No, so that business was all bootstrapped, right? That business was, you know, just a dollar in, 50 cents went to me, 50 cents went to build the business. Right. Mm-hmm. My husband and I ran that company together. He was the operations. I was the talent. Right. We launched the training of uh, the technology company. And for that company, we raised outside capital. So we so that, was the second, that was the second business. That was the uh, third in terms, of, in terms of the $10 million businesses. Yeah. So that was that was the second business. Yeah. Yeah. So that was your beauty network. So we raised about a million and a half of outside funds for that. This is back in the day. So keep in mind, this was 2000, right? 1999, 2000. There was no software share. <laughs> there was no internet. The internet was just coming out, right? Our website, our first membership website, because we had to build everything out, was a half a million dollars. That was bananas. A half a million dollars to build a website because it was in 2000, right? 1999, where everyone was talking about just get eyeballs, just get, that was, a crazy, crazy time, right? And looking back now, we go at half a million dollars for a website. That was cuckoo, but that's just what it was, right? So yeah. we, we didn't have those kind of funds where we we're going to invest, you know, a half a million dollars in a site. So we raised outside funds for that. Gotcha. And, and so to that end, so you exited from the, 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 um, the one business that served the beauty industry and did you take uh, any, any real time out? Was it one of those things where I really want to just figure out, you know, what, what is it that I want to do with my life? Because obviously, anytime you get to the point of having an exit, it's a nice opportunity to, to, to really, well, just reevaluate what's most important to you, right? And, and give serious thought to how do I want to move forward in my life? So did you, did you take that time? Or I'm just trying to figure out what you did in between because as entrepreneurs, 
sometimes it's really difficult to, to allow ourselves to rest. So what, I'm just curious what that looked like for you. What are you, my brother from another mother? Come on, call me out right now. <laughs> yeah, Steve, so the work starts for me when I stop working. and That's most entrepreneurs, right? So I did. So we sold the company in 2005, right? The market crashed in 2007. So I had about two years of what's next for me. And I was in a space of, I don't have to work. I'm financially set up, right? I'm good. You know, I did some gardening. We traveled. You know, the, the reality, I was on an airplane every weekend. So traveling was not my enjoyment. You know, mm -hmm. we did some international travel, but we'd done a lot of that. It was finally a place where I could be at home. I could be, just be, right? And discover what's next. You know, and then 2007, the market crash, which had me spin out and go, oh, hold on. You know, I can't just sit back anymore, but I had still had a non-compete in that industry. So I couldn't go back to that industry. So I had to really reinvent myself. And it was hard. I'm not going to lie because I was this icon in this industry where I walk in a room and everybody knows me to all of a sudden I'm in the entrepreneurial space and they're like, who, who are you? Why are you a big deal? I'm like, no, I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> you know, we don't know who you are. So I'm like, I had no idea my ego was that big until all of a sudden, like, you know, the rugs pulled out from under and you've got to reinvent yourself. It was a very masculine, my, my identity was wrapped around my work and my achievement and my finances. And when all that stripped from you, you have to get back down to your character and your core and your integrity and who are you, right? Yeah. And I had to really reinvent, you know, who is Susie now? I kind of threw the baby out with the bathwater, like all the accomplishment that I had, it's like, well, who's going to listen now, right? Who, mm. What am I going to teach now? And one of my clients, uh, Lisa Nichols, who I've worked with for 20 years, she said, Susie, you are a badass. You are the money. Like, just do for me what you did for you, and all day long we'll play. So that was really the next foray into building a multi-million dollar company was building her company, right? We took it from 800,000 to almost $10 million in her business and just doing everything I had done for myself, putting systems and structure and strategy in place, right? Mm -hmm. Really building a business. We took it from her name, which was Lisa Nichols to motivating the masses. So looking at, we can't sell Lisa Nichols, but we can sell motivating the masses. Motivating the masses is the engine that built this brand called Lisa Nichols. So, and creating the structure all around her so that we could build a business. Mm. That was huge. Yeah, actually, let's, and let's talk about that for a second, just because there's a lot of folks, and some people have said, you know, there was an email actually I saw even today where it was like, you know, I'm, I'm declaring this is the end of the expert era, you know, like, you know, the, the guru is, is gone, you know, kind of thing. And eh, I'm not sure I would agree with, with that entirely. Um, but I, but I will say that, you know, anytime that there is a, a challenging period, you start to see the, the strong survive and those who are just kind of dipping their toes in the water saying, yeah, this, this isn't really the game that I want to, I want to play here, but there's still a lot of people who are trying to figure out like how to go from that $800,000 to that almost $10 million level being a, a personal brand, whether it's a Lisa Nichols or Richard Ote or, you know, whoever it is, right. How do you, how do you take a personal brand and, and scale? So what, what are some of the strategies that you enacted, obviously going to a brand that wasn't specific about Lisa but what were the actual revenue generating activities that allowed you to, to 10X that and, uh, and then some? Well, we had to first change the name, right? To, to get it off of her. You can't really, I can't sell Lisa Nichols, right? You can't sell. I think we learned that early on with Vidal Sassoon when he sold, people were confused. Like what is Vidal Sassoon, right? So early on in my career, my first company was called Susie Fields and Associates, right? And mm -hmm. I was the associate. Yeah. <laughs> and then we changed that to Salon Training International. We looked at what did we do, right? We created, we were the leader in training and development in that beauty industry. Mm -hmm. And so with Lisa's company, the same thing and anybody's company to go, how can we build an entity to sell, right? Every day you're building a business, you're either rebuying that business or you're building it to sell to somebody else. So I'm going to look at how can you get it off of you, the superstar, so when I looked at Lisa's company, everything was wrapped around her keynotes. Everything was wrapped around her physically having to be there in order for us to generate income. That's not a sustainable model, right? Mm -hmm. That's where you get burnout. That's where you get, you know, you're exhausted. Her address was uh, baggage claim, right? That's not a lifestyle, right? That's a, you know, a combination for disaster, right? Or heart mm -hmm. attack. 
And so she was really at that place where she wanted to look at something different. So we looked at what programs could we create? What other trainers could we bring on? How do we create a train the trainer program? So I systematically just looked at taking things slowly off of her, hiring other trainers, hiring other experts, you know, putting a financial model together that took care of the company and the trainers, right? I think we get so delusioned, if you will, and to go, oh my gosh, Steve's gonna work with me, I'm just gonna pay him whatever he asks. Well, if that model doesn't work for the business, I can't afford to pay somebody 50% of income that's generated and pay you 50% of everything that's being brought in and then me still doing advertising, me still doing all the infrastructure and having a COO and a CFO, right? It's being responsible about what your budgets are. 90% yeah. of entrepreneurs are undercharging for their services because they made up their pricing, right? They said, oh, what is Steve charging? Oh, right, what is Richie charging? Oh, what is Susie charging? Okay, Steve's charging 2,000, Susie's charging 1,000, and Richie's charging 4,000, I'm gonna charge 2,500. Oh, okay, well, we don't know if Steve's business is dysfunctional or my business is dysfunctional or what your overhead is, and that has nothing to do with pricing or profitability. You've got to plan for that profit. So really creating formulas for entrepreneurs, and I created them for me because I, <laughs> I would work with my CPA and they give you, you know, they give you two P&Ls. One is accrual, one is cash. And I used to get so frustrated, Steve, because I'm like, wait, one says I have money and one says I don't have money. I like the one that says I have money, but I have no money. So I'm so confused. <laughs> so yeah. I started putting these formulas together just to help me, right? To go, okay, how much do I need to charge? How much do I need to charge to be profitable? What's my turn ratio need to be? What's our budget need to be, right? How do I stay in line with that? When this whole thing started, I went directly to my budget to go, what do I need? What do I don't need? What does sales have to be? If somebody leaves, what do I adjust? So that I'm not waiting a month, six months down the road where you're bleeding, right? Because right now you might be okay, but can you sustain for the long term? That's what we want to look at. What do I need to do for the long term? Mm -hmm. And then be a leader, be in communication, right? We have a state of the union meeting with my team to go, here's the state of where we are this week. Here's what I've released. Here's where we're at. Here's where sales are. Here's what we need to produce. Are we good? What do you need? How can I serve you? Are, are you filing for the stimulus package, right? I need you to make sure you're taking care of yourself. So just mm -hmm. being cause in the matter, right? Really being that leader going, let's not wait, don't suffer, right? If credit cards are saying you don't have to pay for three months, great. Go handle that right now, right? You can choose to pay that, but if they're saying you can wait for three months, now don't run up your credit card because you can wait for three months, right? Mm -hmm. Be fiscally responsible to yourself and your commitments, but look at what do I need to do to take care of myself and my team and my clients. Yeah. Yeah. Rich, any, uh, any questions coming to mind right now? I don't want to take over the, the, whole, the whole interview here. Yeah, I do actually. Um, when it comes to creating these formulas that you're referring to, I'm, it's obviously going to be different for every business, but is there some sort of structure or format you follow? Is it kind of like um, profit first where you, here's what I would like to make and then reverse engineer it or how, do, how does someone figure out that formula? Yeah. So right now we look at your total overhead, right? What is my overhead? What do I have to create? Right. And then I want to look at um, what is my profit? So I want to plan for profit immediately. That's 10%, 20%, what's that profit need to be, right? And then based on my capacity, I'm going to determine what is that price point for that service. Now, some things are loss leaders, right? If you look at, um, you know, in that beauty industry, a haircut was a loss leader, meaning you're not making money on a haircut, but it also has to be able to, uh, whoever is your weakest link, if somebody's only doing haircuts, they're not going to be a profitable employee. So either I've got to shift the pricing model or shift that person's behavior right? Teach them different selling skills. So if I look at online um, products, some of those are lost leaders, your $49, your $99. Some of those are lost leaders. We're not making money on those. Those are just getting people in the door. Once they're in the door, then we need to look at what's our total overhead. What's our unit price that we're going to, how many units can we sell this? Is there a capacity issue? Is there not a capacity issue? So there's some simple formulas. We call it the base price worksheet that we can put together so that you can look at it. Here's what the base price has to be in order for your business to be profitable. Profit is something that you're plan that's planned for. And profit is also the value that I bring as a business owner to the organization, right? I have clients that are doing millions in sales, but they're also spending 2 million, right? So they're not profitable, right? That doesn't matter that you're doing millions in sales if you're spending more than you're making, 
right? Mm -hmm. So I want to look at and be responsible from day one. And that's where the challenge comes in is we just start going and they're not putting a plan together. Um, I don't want to say they, we're not putting a plan together, right? We're not strategically looking at um, the financial healthiness of the company. When you know what your base price is, Rich, then you're not get, giving the hookup, right? Everybody wants a hookup, everybody wants a deal. But if you know, for instance, you can't go below $10,000, right? Then when someone says, I want a hookup, well, that is the hookup, it's $10,000. Because if I give it away for $9,000, I just lost $1,000. So I have a client, she's a publisher, and we started looking at her pricing. And when I dug into the pricing, dug into her P&L, she was undercharging $500 for every book that she published. So it's equivalent to say, oh, Rich, you want to publish a book here? Let me give you $500. And so you start looking at that. So she was losing money, but the cash flow can be sneaky, right? If you got cash flow coming in, you're not really looking. It's like, oh, I'm paying bills. And you're always kind of staying one step ahead of it until something like this happens. And all of a sudden, you, you know, you got egg on your face. So the base price is incredibly important so that you understand, right? We immediately changed her pricing right, which immediately gave her room to breathe. And we took her from, she was at that point, living off her retirement account, savings account. And in that first year, it took her from 60,000 to 800,000. You know, one, looking at her pricing, two, looking at strategic partners, who was the right strategic partner for her versus some people are, if they're speakers, they're speaking anywhere. Don't speak anywhere, my time is valuable, right? That just has you on the road. That's not having you have any money. Right? Who are those strategic partners that can support you in leveraging what you're up to and what you're doing? So mm -hmm. every business has that. Right? Don't, I don't care what business it is. I have a manufacturing company. They manufacture valves. Right? And looking at who's the strategic partner for us that can refer us those clients. <clears throat> One of our biggest clients is a government contract. Well, who else do they know that we can get in the doors in that? We looked at looking at their A clients, their B clients, and their C clients. We doubled their sales with no more clients just strategically looking at every account going, what else can we serve this client with? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we get so busy being busy being busy that we don't take the time to work on the business and strategize on what, what could I do right now? I think that's what's brilliant about right now is don't worry about getting more customers. Look, let's look at how can we serve our current clients? What else can I do for them? How can mm -hmm. I have each customer feel more value from me, have a bigger impact from me, and then long-term, make more money with me, right? That's the bigger game right now. So great point. Let, let me ask you this just as it relates to, to the stimulus. Um, the, you know, the, the Treasury, the Fed, whoever, you know, whatever your political beliefs are, we'll leave those to the, to the side at the moment. But somehow $2 trillion magically just got printed out and you know, is in, is in paper form or check form is being sent out to businesses and individuals. Um, let me ask you this, which is, what, what is your stance on when a business should reach out to try to grab a, a piece of that? And, and should all businesses be trying to grab a piece of that? What, what, what is your personal take on it? Yeah, I, one, I would say let's be fiscally responsible. So if you don't need it, don't take it, right? If you have enough cash reserves and you've planned and you have that and you have a cushion and, you know, then be responsible to go. There's other people, like if it's a small business, right? And that, you know, money, that $10,000 or that paycheck allotment or payroll allotment is going to make a huge difference for them right? We get so caught up in greed. So go, wait a minute, what does your business really need? If your business needs that, absolutely take advantage of it, right? Mm -hmm. Let's look at the projection. I'm pointing over here because that's where mine yeah. are. Right? Let's look at our projection. Let's look at our budget to go, what is my run rate? Am I going to run out of money? Right? And if we are, this is a great time to reevaluate to go, why do I not have more runway? Why do I not have more of a cushion? Why am I running my business that tightly? right? That I'm freaking out because a couple months, uh, you know, I'm not having that the same income in, or if a little bit of my income dips, right? Mm -hmm. If I have some clients right now freaking out because a little bit of their income dipped. I'm like, well, let's look at the bigger problem. Yes, this is a problem. We can address that, but let's look at the bigger problem because you're living high on the hog, spending everything that you have coming in. You know, I have a client that when I met her, I'm like, dude, where's your retirement? Where, where what do you do? You make a half a million dollars a year. Where is your personal cushion? Your, your business is not your personal bank account, 
right? Let's put that structure in place because you don't know, you know, we're all going to get seasoned. Right? We're all going to want to do something different later. Take care of yourself now while you're in your heyday, right? While you're making great money. Don't spend. Can you talk to that for, can you talk to that for one second, Susie? Yes. What does that actually look like? Like, how do you know how much to take out of the business? Like, you know, obviously you don't want to just give yourself a job, but right. at the same token, like you said, a lot of people who have their business actually aren't even taking money out of the business at all. And I want you to go back to your train of thought. I'm sorry to throw you off there, but I, I just want to know from your perspective, like, how do you measure what you should be taking out? Perfect. So there, you know, you can look at any industry standard. It'll tell you what at this level of sales, what would a CEO be making, right? What would a chief financial officer? So just when I'm hiring a CFO, I'm going to go do my due diligence for this level of company. Here's what I'm expected to pay. So I'm going to pay you a salary, whatever that salary is. And then at the end of the year, I can do dividends and give myself bonuses if I choose, right? So I want to look at from CEO owner, founder, I would rather take less cash money and put money inside of your retirement or an executive bonus program. There's only so much cash you can spend, right? And then you start spending it frivolously. So let's look at taking care of yourself for your future self to go, let's give you an executive bonus. Let's give you um, a retirement plan. Let's give you insurance. Let's look at some other non-monetary cash up front because I'm paying 50% taxes on that anyways. You get to that mm. certain level, I'm paying 50 cents on every single dollar. That's expensive money. But if right. I take, a, you know, a, a executive bonus plan and do an executive bonus plan with your financial planner, I can take that money and get 100% of that money and not pay taxes on it until I take it out, which is going to be much lower at 70 or however old you're going to be when you take that money out versus right now in the prime time. So it's leveraging, kind of looking at your financial situation later, right? I think entrepreneurs get so excited that they're making a quarter of a million dollars or half a million dollars, right? But to go, well, how, how much do you really need? I think you do have to get it out of your system. Like once people get it out of their system, right? To go, I can buy whatever I want, do whatever I want. Okay, get out of your system and then let's plan, right? Whatever mm -hmm. that is. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I did it too. I had to buy all the shoes. <laughs> then I'm like, how many pairs of shoes do I really need? Yeah. <laughs> I go, what do I do to leverage my future? Yeah, and so to, to that end, I mean, just going back to the conversation then around the, the stimulus, if, if you find yourself in a position where, where you need that sort of assistance are you are you short-sighted in terms of uh, of being able to have any sort of, of, of fallback plan like does that does that just simply mean is this an opportunity for us to look at diversification and just see if we are putting way too many eggs in in a single basket and even and even more so maybe even on a, on a greater level here have we created a business that actually is not a business right. like we have no business actually being in this business and we'd be better off getting a job or doing something else altogether well there's different phases in business right so if i'm in a growth year or if i'm in a if i'm adding more team if i'm you know knowing that i'm gonna have a big growth cycle i might be spending more money you know on that so strategically i want to look at where are those growth years? So if you're doing a five-year projection, you can see I'm going to spend more money here, have less money here, right? I think the stimulus package will allow you, one, just to have a safety net, right? Again, to go, okay, I can breathe. You don't necessarily have to take the money when the money comes. You can deny the money if you choose to, right? And again, be fiscally responsible to yourself, your family, and your business, right? 80% of small businesses, we all know this stat, you know, fail in the first five years. But what they don't talk about is that 20% that's left that don't even pay themselves a proper paycheck. Like what would that paycheck be if I was the CEO of the company, if I was the CFO of the company, whatever that is, right? And so looking at that going away, we're not even paying ourselves that. And I, you know, I did it in one of my companies. I was like, wait a minute, I'm paying her more than I'm paying me. Why is that the case? Mm -hmm. And you know, my husband, who was my partner, said, look, we're playing for the long game. We're going to get paid when we sell the company. So yes, she might be making more cash right now, but we're going to make more cash on the, on the back end. So I'm like, okay, I can see that logic. I can see where that is. I didn't necessarily like it, but it also gave us cash flow in the organization to grow, right? Because if you're bootstrapping, you're always putting money in to grow to that next level. 
Like what's that yeah. next thing we need to invest in in order for the business to go to that next level? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rich, any, uh, any other questions here for Susie before we start to wrap things up? It would be a question around back to mindset and self-awareness. When people are freaking out and kind of going back a little bit to what Steve said too, and the, did they really even build a business built around the way they want to be in the business? How would you, you kept talking about building a business to sell it. You talked about even with Lisa Nichols and building to sell it. Uh, is there a reason for for building it to sell it, even if you think you're not going to sell it? Is there still a better, because you said that so many times, yes. I feel like you have a belief and it could be the right belief that you build it to sell it, even if you plan on not selling it. So you put those systems and processes in place. Am I hearing that correctly? Correct. Yeah, you want to build it so someone else can come and run it because there will be a point in time where you need to hire a president a ceo to replace you and if the company isn't structured outside of you right if you don't have that chain of command you don't have other leaders in place that people are reporting to and then they're reporting up to you right then you own a big fat job and there's never any freedom to go on vacation for a month right without freaking out about your business so I'm saying you can keep that business as long as you want, but I want to build an entity that we can choose to sell. I had a client, she owns two restaurants and she's like, Susie, I want to sell my company. I'm like, great, let's look at that. She had no SOP, standard operating procedures in place, none. I'm like, dude, we got nothing to sell. Like you're going to come in here, all your people are going to leave with you or they're going to desert the company because it relies on you. So we took three months, put every standard operating procedure together right? We had people sign agreements that if we sell, they're going to stay, right? Putting all those things in place. So that when we went to the broker, within two days, the broker had four buyers for us in two days at the price that she wanted, right? Because we had everything, we came into the, the boardroom with, here's our hiring procedure. Here's our operations manager, manual. Here's our um, training videos, like everything. Here's our, you know, our financial strategies. Here's our pricing strategy. And the broker was like, oh my God, I could sell this so fast. And she did, she got on the phone, you know, we had four buyers and, you know, creating a bidding war to go, that's a business to sell. But four months ago, we would have not got what she wanted from it because it was just a restaurant, right? <laughs> so it's looking at the difference to go, how can we value that asset? That's the only reason why I got so much money for my business is I had everything documented, right? Literally, they came in to do due diligence. We would just roll in the, the filing cabinet. Here's all our agreements. Here's, you know, here's our SOPs. Here's everything that we do. Here's our call scripts. Here's our follow-up script. Here's our funnels, right? So it's like, okay, if the, and I wasn't the lead trainer anymore, right? We weren't in the day-to-day -day anymore. Mm -hmm. So it allows you to set it up to, one to give you freedom. That's the whole point is we want to build a business to give us freedom. And if I have to be there every day, I have no freedom. Yeah. Uh, points really were really well taken. So one, as we, as we wrap up here, Susie, really appreciate all your insight. I know we've gone in a number of different directions here, but it's just an odd period of time where right. there's so many different things that we can be talking about uh, as far as business is concerned. And you know, the reality is, uh, as I said earlier, I think we're really just at the tip of the iceberg in terms of the ripple effect here and how this is going to ultimately impact businesses. And uh, I know we've had the discussion around the stimulus and some people are, you know, perhaps thinking about it, not in terms of today, but in terms of what happens if this dries out for six months or eight months okay. or whatever it might be, then, you know, will they, will they need that, that assistance? And I think there's uh, a fairly likely scenario here not trying to play this out doomsday wise but i think there's a fairly likely scenario here uh where where this plays out uh, for an extended period of time and uh and then even if you talk to some of the top folks in the game right now uh, they're saying you know look it, it, we can we can nip this in the bud now uh, but the odds of this recirculating in the fall uh or or next spring is is exponentially greater than anything they've ever seen so um, thanks, Steve, for all that great news, right? Yeah, the very, yeah, thank you for all the uplifting. Sure, it thoughts. is great. It is great because now we can plan and prepare, right? To go, what's the worst case scenario? Let's plan for worst case scenario and play to best case scenario. I'm playing to best case scenario, planning for worst case scenario, 
right? Mm -hmm. Having hard conversations now, I don't necessarily need to cut all those expenses now, but if I'm not fiscally responsible, then I can't take care of my team. I can't take care of my family, right? Mm -hmm. What are the hard conversations we can have today to prevent us from a year from now being in financial devastation, right? To go, let's not be hit upside the head. Let's, there's plenty of time now to go, what do I need? What can I do today? What conversations can I have? How can I leverage? How can I take advantage of the stimulus package is just a strategy, right? Yeah. Don't wait a year from now where you're like, I wish I should have, could have, what a money will be gone to go look at your financial projections. And if you don't have those, go get a coach that can help you put them together. So you don't go in blind and being naive and going, well, I didn't know. I don't care. IRS doesn't care. You don't know. Clients don't care. You don't know. <laughs> We've all yeah. sold our stuff that we do know. So be responsible, right? Yeah, That's what I love. in the business. And what I, what I love about what you do, it's very unique to what we've heard, Rich, and I'm sure you can attest to this or not, or whatever it is here, now that we're on, on video today, in our, in our social distancing format. Um, but what I, what I love about what you teach, it's very different than what others are talking about, you know, really is the importance of the systems and the processes and the standard operating procedures and understanding your financials. And it's like nothing else even matters. I don't even care what you do necessarily. I'm paraphrasing for you, but it's like, I don't even care, you know, what you do, but are you building it in a way that is saleable, which ultimately means, do you, are you the, you know, are you the impediment to your own sale? Like, have you put yourself in a situation where all of your hard work actually works against you because without you, you can't sell. Right. And all of that said, from an operational perspective, how focused and how clear are you on what you need to do in order to document the processes, document the financials, and really understand what that side of the equation truly looks like? And, and so from that perspective, and of course, we could have gone in a number of different directions here with the conversation with you today. Um, I personally, I just want to thank you for going in that direction. Because as a coach, I think so many, I'm not saying you're a coach or a consultant, or whatever, I'm not throwing you in that in that pool. But I'm just saying most coaches, most coaches focus on like, you know, hey, go out and, and build this live stream and, you know, and go out and, and create this online course. And, you know, we're guilty of, you know, go out and, and build your podcast, you know, and, and what you're really saying is, um, let's build your business. Yes. And, um, and thank you for that. Anything else you want to add, Susie, before we let you jump or, or Richie, please? I'm, I'm good. If Susie has something, that let's hear it. Yeah, I want to just, you know, leave people thinking that right now people are afraid, right? And fear leads you to believe that where you are right now is a safe place and going forward is a risk. But the truth is, we're always at risk when we're standing still, risk of stagnating, but more importantly, risk of missing out on your own destiny. There's something in your belly, there's something in your soul, there's something in your heart that you know this is the time. So take this time and really look at what's your contribution to humanity. My gift from God is my life. My gift back to God is the difference I make inside the world. So go play big, go be bold, go be outrageous. Get that foundation in place so you truly have a business that provides you freedom and provides you a lifestyle that a job can't do. Mm. Yeah, really, really well said. I, um, I, I was thrilled to see that we were able to get you to, to give us an hour here today. And, um, and, and just knowing some about, a little bit about what you do. I knew I was like, you know, Susie's going to be perfect for where we're at with it. I had no idea how good this was actually going to be. So thank you, really. Um, for being just so so passionate and fired up about the work that you do and the teachings that you that you espouse and put forth, because really today more so than ever, uh, what what you teach and what you demand out of your clients and so on is just it's it's absolutely crucial, paramount to to future success. If people want more information, Susie, uh, about you, where where should they go? Um, they can find me by my name, which is suzycarter.com, and that's C A R D, like in den- dollar, dinero, E R. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> anyway, you want to look at it, so you can find me by my name. Right? Susie S I E Carter, C A R D E R.com. Yeah. 
Well, thank you. We're going to let you jump and uh, appreciate all the work that you're doing in the world. We're going to let you jump and uh, we'll keep rolling here. So thanks, Susie. We'll talk to you really, really soon. Thanks, guys. Have a blessed day. Stay safe. Uh, you too. Yeah, you too. All right. We'll let you jump there. Yeah. All right. So, um, yeah. Wow. Just, um, you know, again, so many coaches, Richie, you know, and, and just, you know, we're guilty of this as well as like, you know, shiny object and, and build this and, and, and put this product out and do, and forget the fundamentals. And like, that's, it's such an important conversation, you know? It's, it's interesting, especially knowing you got podcast magazine rolling out, growing, getting bigger every time, like so much interest. I'm actually most impressed that you don't, every single time say, well, what would, what would you do with podcast magazine? Yeah, it's gotta be so damn tempting every time, you know, every time I know, <laughs> but it's, um, so what, what, what is interesting though is, you know, when you look at a magazine, uh, like Forbes, right. And, and you and I have a mutual friend in Nathan Latka and, you know, Latka launching Latka magazine and he's great, you know, and I love Nathan. He's one of the smartest guys, you know, in the game right now. Uh, but it, but it certainly it certainly speaks to what happens if you know Nathan goes away. Like what happens if Steve Forbes goes away, right? I mean that sort of thing. And obviously that's you know, neither here nor there. But the, the point is, I do think that a lot of folks build businesses around themselves, and especially in this expert space, this guru space, whatever it is that we want to call it. And for, uh, for Susie to step in, I didn't realize that Susie was the person who actually helped Lisa Nichols go from, you know, seven, $800,000 a year to almost 10 million a year. Uh, and so it's nice to, to kind of put that piece of the puzzle together there. Um, but clearly part of, part of the reason why she was able to do that um, is by shifting off of just the Lisa Nichols brand to motivating the masses you know? Yeah. And uh, so that was interesting to hear. Yeah. It was also interesting that she didn't get rid of the Lisa Nichols brand. She just used motivating the masses to promote the Lisa Nichols brand too. So that it was, it wasn't necessarily they're, they're, is the correct phrasing, not mutually exclusive. It's yeah. just which one's leading the other one. Like Tony Robbins is Tony Robbins. So the actual seminar companies probably wouldn't continue on the same, but mm -hmm. I know he's got lots of trainers and all kinds of people that get people to go to the other one. So there's probably a lot that still lives on, but you just building the machine yeah. that helps propel that personal brand. So then when you do sell it, you also have the personal brand to, to leverage to get into something new later if you want to. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think it goes without saying that. I mean, if Tony goes, so does the company. I mean, like, that's just, I, I can't, I mean, some of the other businesses that he has, perhaps, but you're not going to go to unleash the, the power within or date with destiny or whatever to see, you know, any of the other, any of the other folks on stage. I don't think so. Perhaps I'm, perhaps I'm wrong. I know he's been pushing people there, but at the same token, if Tony never took the stage at those events, I think people, uh, you know, I, th I think people would look the other way. All right, well, let's do this. Let's wrap up then this episode of Beyond Eight Figures. And I really do appreciate uh, Susie joining us here today. Uh, I personally am offering, it's funny, we're talking about the pivot. I personally am offering uh, free 20-minute pivot in place strategy sessions. Actually went out and got the, uh, the domain pivot in place dot net, you know, so like, um, what is it shelter in place, right? So pivot in place. So pivot in place dot net. If, uh, if I can help you, this is just my gift. It's my give back. I have a tendency to, uh, to really be able to see what other people can't see. And so if you're struggling right now with your business and trying to figure out what's, what's next and you know, when you're inside the bottle, it's really tough to see the outside of the label. So you may be too close to it. Uh, so I would love to gift you with a free 20 minute pivot in place strategy session. It is not a sales call. It is literally just me as an entrepreneur of 30 plus years uh, trying to, to give back a bit and help you uh, with wherever you are. And if you need to, to really identify what that biggest opportunity is for you and, and you just can't see it right now, 
uh, I'd love to be able to help you brainstorm and strategize around that. Uh, so uh, until they are all filled up, just go to pivotinplace.net uh, and grab a, a complimentary, you know, no obligation, not a sales call strategy session with me at pivotinplace.net. And I'd love to be able to help you. I uh, also wanted to share, and I'd be remiss if I didn't share this, uh, that our new episode of pod, uh, now episode, huh, our new issue of podcast magazine uh, is ready and waiting for you, featuring Jordan Belfort, the Wolf of Wall Street, uh, featuring Toure, featuring uh, Aaron Mankey, uh, Mankey of Lore, uh, comments by celebs, and many, many, many others. Uh, and we are still giving away free lifetime subscriptions at podcastmagazine.com. All right, for Richie Ote, I'm Steve Olsher. We'll talk to you guys next time on Beyond Eight Figures.